This is Window on the East, a podcast from BNE IntelliNews. Subscribe at bne.eu. podcast series by BNE IntelliNews. I'm Dominic Kovalev and I'm the Ukrainian correspondent for BNE and today I am speaking to Volodymyr Konyenko. He is the head of an NGO helping the territorial defense forces in Kyiv as well as helping hospitals and Ukrainian citizens during the war. He is also a CEO. We dive into what Kyiv looks like one month on from the war, his predictions for the outcome, as well as how his role as a CEO has been impacted by the war and how Ukraine's economy may survive. So we are officially recording now. So um, hello, Vladimir. Um, you are a, a CEO of uh, SponsorEds, which is an ad management platform. But more than that, you're also a member of the Territorial Defense Force. Um, is this is this correct? No, that's right. No, that's right. We we have created. Well, uh, firstly, uh, I'm CEO of Sponsorheads, mm. and the second part is I'm the head of uh, NGO Brothers of NATO, provides help for military and civilians uh, gathering donations and acting in in the territory of Ukraine. Yeah. Why did you? set up this NGO? Was this something you had done previously before the invasion or was this something solely out of the invasion? I established this NGO in 2011 and that NGO was official man work that's the music band fan club in Ukraine. And what we done, we've, um, we've organized the concert in Ukraine on 2019 and united the metal community of Ukraine and uh, Germany as well because Germany helped one of the biggest fan clubs of man work in, in the world. They are called the uh, German Defenders of Steel. And after after war, we have decided that we have slightly changed our activity. And now we are not just a fan club of um, man war band. We, we are the people, we are the patriots who wants to unite metalheads, let's say, or the people who like rock music uh, in this resistance. And now we cooperate with many, many other uh, representatives of fan clubs from all over the world that helps us, kind of, kind of that. What does that look like in your assistance? How are you actively participating in, in the defence of Ukraine? Well, there is different types of assistance. First of all, we cooperate with the official hubs, uh, hospitals, and military forces so we gather the information what they need we get this kind of stuff for that and that's the first way for example we go and purchase but by ourselves the products uh, i mean the food for the house who prepare the foods for the soldiers we prepare we get the medicine for the hospitals we get the clothes for those people who have lost everything and they don't they don't have, they don't have nothing except like a, like a bag with the documents and, and, and a bunch of money and uh, also we try to get the equipment for for our soldiers for our territorial defense 
Um, in the matter of fact, we, in, the, in the very beginning, we told that I am the member of territorial defense, but unfortunately, when the war started, there was so many people who wanted to join territorial defense that when, when we came to the, the headquarters where you should get the enlist, the territorial defense, they told now we, we have so many people that we cannot supply you. Why is there a limit on the number of people that can join the territorial defense forces? Is that due to the number of weapons they have, the amount of equipment? Yeah, sure. The number of weapons and uh, they should be transferred not only in Kiev but or to the other cities. And the, due to the rule of territorial defense, if you enlisted, for example, in Kiev, you should not go to another city like Kherson. Uh, so that they uh, uh, logistically provide weapons to this or that city. And Kiev is, well, being one of the most defended cities in Ukraine, we don't need uh, any any more, any any other people in the territorial defense yet. But many people create some kind of local defense without weapons, just they have the shotguns and pistols and whatever, whatever they have and they create this kind of territorial defense. But I, I thought that my um, my connections will be much more effective than standing on the block post, which is also very important. Uh, and is this effective, do you think? Which, what, what is effective? People taking it upon themselves to defend the city but in, a, in an unofficial organization, not aligned with the territorial defense, but... Well, I have to say you that, yes, it is effective because um, Russian army understands, I think, that they are invaders and they are not welcome here. We have so many stories about the resistance of civilians without weapons who just uh, kill Russians with bare hands, steal their tanks with the tractors, so there, it's it's incredible incredible resistance of all the people, and uh, that is even more demoralizing for their for the army of invasion. And has this resistance kept going? Oh, my apologies, but has this resistance kept going strong over the last month, or have you noticed a change in fighting? Um, first, from the Ukrainian side, are people still as strong as they were one month ago? And secondly, from the Russian side, how has uh, their fighting style changed? Are there as many troops on the ground or are they focusing more on sending in unmanned aerial vehicles and drones? That, that is a good question. Thank you. Well, I have to say that the resistance keeps growing stronger and stronger because I do remember the very beginning of of this war. Well, war has started uh, on 2014. I mean, the active invasion from Russia and uh, that was 4 a.m. 4 or 5 a.m. and we were sleeping and we woke up because we have heard the bombardment of the capital of Ukraine, Kiev. And you know, first days was just like, what, what's going on? I, I was trying to understand what should we do, how should we do that, and I think that many Ukrainians have done this as well. And uh, now everybody understands and everybody have, are much more knowledgeable about everything. We understand 
pretty much everything about the kind of um, air surrounds of uh, artillery, artillery, and etc., etc., etc. So the resistance is growing stronger, and uh, the help from the European Union and, and other uh, friendly countries is really effective. And as as more we get, as faster Ukraine will defeat the neo-Nazi. I don't know how to say insane dictator. And on the Russian side. Have you noticed a change in their fighting style or their techniques and how yeah, they're approaching? Indeed, indeed, for sure, because uh, in the very beginning of the invasion, they uh, were using the so-called uh, tactical and rockets, I mean, cruise rockets. But now they are, they have, they have lack of them, so they use the unconventional weapons and they tried to, they understood that they cannot uh, victory the Ukraine, uh, Ukrainian military forces, and there is a great resistance from the civilians. So they tried to make a panic in our nation and start bombardment the cities, the hospitals, the, um, the schools, the kindergartens. They, tried, they started to kill children, women, Elder people, uh, there is the city of Mariupol with no left house. So, zero. There is no house left there. Do you think they were surprised, the Russians, by the resistance from Ukraine? Well, yeah. I think that the propaganda of Russia have played a very bad role with them because they were thinking that when they will enter Ukraine, it will be like array or something like that and I think that Vladimir Putin was pretty much sure about that as well and thanks to their propaganda uh, they were wrong and they were not ready and you know when I heard from the captured Russian soldier they are looking at uh, Ukrainian military forces like at the people from I know they don't know from Mars or they, they thought that it's uh, like a modern warfare, you know, resist, fights back, fight them back. And they haven't expected that. They didn't knew that Ukraine was preparing for this war for eight years. And so-called second army in the world cannot do nothing against Ukraine, which is now 15th or 17th army in the world. Are the Russians running out of uh, military equipment? They are running out of everything, and I think the, the biggest problem for Russia is money, because uh, indeed economic sanctions are doing a great job. Um, they're running out the equipment, and we have the insult that they started using uh, the tanks, which are they were made in 1960s, so it's four times older than me and you, I think. But does that give you concern that perhaps Russia is then going to be like a, a back dog in the corner and will start to do more unpredictable attacks? They will, they will, and they, uh, they, that's why they started to bombard the civilians. That's, that's the fair reason, and I think that our military forces and, and other uh, armed forces understands that. That's why they are not situated in the cities to protect our people 
Um, that that's I think that's the main reason. But yeah, unpredictability is the motto of Russian policy and uh, armed forces are, and pretty much everything from Russia. Unpredictability is a is, is a good word from you. Yeah, that's right. Do you think they still want to take Kiev? I know that one of their initial plans was to implement a sort of puppet regime. They, they, they not only want to take Kiev, they want to take the whole Ukraine. And because according to the Putin's plan, they want to make the USSR version 2.0. And uh, it's impossible to create USSR without Ukraine because um, Ukraine was a strategic part of the USSR and we were fitting the whole USSR. We are providing the warriors. There is a joke in Ukraine that that's the first war where Russians are fighting without Ukrainians on their side. <laughs> it's the first war in mm. 350 years. And yeah, now you can see what happened. And how has the fighting changed in Kyiv? Um, it seems to have focus more on the villages and the suburbs around rather than so much in the center of the city? Well, there is no fight in the center of the city except the bombardments. Yeah. And uh, again, thanks to our generals who are defending the Kiev very, very well. And by now, uh, our armed forces went to the counterattack and uh, circled the six, uh, six, eight, eight, eight thousand uh, Russian army, uh, which tried to take Kiev. So the, the fights in the villages, the only reason in the fights in the villages is just not, not to make uh, fights in Kiev, because that will be a really, really great bloodshed. Because I do believe that every fa- most of the families are not going to go into a strikes or demonstrations. They just will try to do everything to kill every Russian soldier they see. There was uh, a report that, that came out a couple of weeks ago um, from, from Shoigu. Um, and he was requesting Putin for permission to deforest Ukraine, the deforestation of the occupied territories of Ukraine. And then a photo was released not long afterwards um, showing the, it looked like deforestation fortifications being built in Kiev Oblast, uh, these fortifications inside woods and forests around, um, around the Kiev region. Uh, have you heard anything about this? And do you have any uh, yeah, thoughts yeah, as to what yeah, this could yeah. be about? I've heard about that, and uh, it's funny fact that, as far as you know, uh, there is no news from Shoigu for 12 days, so I think that something happened to him. Uh, I think that his heart hurts for Ukraine, so so, so much that he feels bad, I think. Um, indeed, they try to hide in the forests, but most of them try to hide in the houses of civilians, and they put their... Um, armored vehicles and tanks near the houses. But uh, making that fortifications in the forest makes a really good good thing for us because there is not that great danger to hurt Ukrainians during the uh, destructions of their of their army. So yeah indeed they try they try to make that fortifications but they have no 
chance to do that and any kind of deforestification that you've told is impossible because they have they have no money they have no possibility to do that they have no fuel the fuel is also a great deal for them do you think the deforestation plan shows that they have a plan for the uh, to kind of wait out this period waiting out is um is not a is not the right strategy for Russia because every day for Russia costs billions of dollars and every day makes it worse and worse. So I think that they just now they just show you how this line that everything is good with the Russian military forces, they are the second army of the world, etc. etc. And now when it comes to the real action, they just don't know what to do. And recently they told that they have signed the changing of their plans to the operative strategy, let's say so so called operative strategy. And in my opinion, what is what what does it mean? It means that let's say they had ten main objectives in the Russian Ukrainian war. So now they cut all the objectives to two or one main objectives and they will try to do that. And deforestification is is kind of thing that's to show that they have they are doing something. They are doing some action, but they don't. What do you think about this announcement that the war will end on May 9th? <sighs> you mean the Russian announcement? Yes, yes, the Russian announcement. Uh, they, it's, it's a typical Soviet illness to do something by the date. Well, they wanted to conquer Kiev in eight hours, then they told them that they will do that in three days, then... Uh, Mr. Kadyrov told that he will conquer Kiev in four days. Nothing happened. You think it's just I'm propaganda? Sure that Ukraine will be victorious by the, by the middle of May. Is it kind of just um, propaganda and to coincide with this, um, you know, obviously victory day for Russia is, is May 9th and they're kind of propaganda to emphasize this so-called denazification of Ukraine? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's typical typical activity, typical thing for Russian propaganda. And uh, why what what is the reason uh, of this war for Putin? Not only creating the Soviet Union number two, there is the term called if I'm not mistaken, it's little victorious war. And uh, when you have something when you have things re- really very bad in your country and your people are struggling you have to start the little victorious war to show that you have the enemy and you are victorious. But here, he, his plans have failed. So yeah, his propaganda is working, but even in the miracle of time, I think, even propaganda will be broken because people start understanding that they are lying. Um, according to the Russian information that they have only 1,000 casualties. Uh, the official, both NATO and Ukrainian information that Russians have minimum 15,000 deaths uh, from Russian side and more than 40,000 wounded. That is information which is three days uh, ago was provided. So I think now it's even more, even more. With uh, these great number of deaths, thanks. are you surprised that Putin's approval rating has gone up. I saw a poll today that suggests his approval rating is at 71% in Russia. 
Oh, I never believed in the uh, Putin's approval rating. So it, uh, it's it's kind of typical thing for the di- dictators. But I do believe in uh, um, in that propaganda of Russia did did a great job, and Russians do believe that they are fighting the Nazis. They they have to do that. They are watching TV. They are zombied, etc., etc. So. I think that the thinking people of Russia left Russia and they will keep living it, trying to keep living it. And uh, the propaganda will be broken soon. But now, yeah, people, I think many people believe in, in that it's holy war for against the Nazi. Having looked at the main areas of, of intense fighting, it seems now that Russia is focusing a lot on the southern part of Ukraine, the south and the eastern part. Um, and a lot of Ukrainian ports are now inactive. Uh, I think only five are, are partially running at the moment, uh, which is quite worrying. So there's some speculation that a long-term goal for Russia is to uh, just hammer away Ukraine's economy by blocking off these ports. It will have a huge impact uh, in dragging down Ukraine's economy and stopping them from exporting um, key key agricultural goods. I think that's <laughs> the main reason for blocking the Berdan export you've mentioned is not the blocking the export because the biggest port of Ukraine is Odessa port. But uh, the reason is another. They tried to make the land corridor with the so-called terroristic states, DNR, and uh, mm, I mean the Donetsk National Republic and Crimea uh, temporarily annexed by Russia. And they, the main reason is to make the land corridor with that two states. Another reason is that they have failed the invasion to Kharkiv. And they thought that the Kharkiv city will, yeah, it's Russian-speaking city, mostly Russian-speaking city. They will salute them and they will be happy to see them. But yeah, the, the resistance of Kharkiv is really tough and great. So they, indeed, they thought that the, the, the best way to do the effective invasion will be to uh, charge into the southern part of Ukraine. Uh, the first reason I told you before is the land corridor. The second reason is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, tomorrow on the 29th of March, they will all have the negotiations with Russia in Turkey. And when you go to negotiation, and I'm telling you that, like, uh, uh, <laughs> in the past I was the international law lawyer and I was, as a, let's say, part of diplomat. When you go to the negotiation, you have to have something, a good word, a good um, circumstance to have a powerful part in the negotiation. And taking port and the land uh, between Crimea and uh, that Donetsk National Republic will be a good point for the Russians. As well as Mariupol, which keeps standing without water and any equipment and supplies. Do you think they will try to implement these so-called people's republics um, in other regions in, in Ukraine? I saw a telegram channel earlier this month, uh, apparently organized by the Kherson People's Republic, uh, which was swiftly hacked and, and taken down. They will for sure try to do that, but they will surely fail because 
they will not succeed in in many many reasons. Firstly, nobody will support it. Well, in Crimea there were many, maybe there were many people who support Russia because a um, few years before the invasion to Crimea, Russia have uh, moved many Russians to Crimea to make uh, so-called pro-Russian um, citizens. And for now, I think that the war can be finished only when Ukraine get back Crimea, get back Donetsk and Luhansk, and yeah, answering your question regarding the creating another People's Republic, they will not succeed. And we see that they are not succeeding in their plans because Azerbaijan are taking the Karabakh back. So what do you think Putin's long-term goal is with Ukraine? How do you see Ukraine in, in six months' time? I know it's a difficult question to answer, but perhaps you have some in insights on it. Time. Okay, so which which month it will be? It will be it will be autumn, yeah. Well, um, I think that there is only one who will left. Either Putin will die or Ukraine will die. Putin will not stop. He will never stop if we will not stop him, because well, he is seventy years old man who have everything. And he wants to create the Soviet Union because that was the greatest disaster for himself. He told that before the war that the greatest disaster of 20th century was uh, destroying of Soviet Union, and he wants it back. So he will not stop. He is insane, and the only way to stop it is to be victorious, not to trying to find the compromises because you never believe Russia. The good example is when, during the negotiations, the both sides agreed to have a humanitarian corridor for the civilians, and Russia agreed on it. And when the corridor starts to to be active, they just killed the civilians which were going through the corridor. So uh, there is no reason to have negotiations with the terrorists like uh, Charles de Gaulle, the president of France, had told after the World War. So we will not do that as well, I think. The only way to be victorious here is to is Putin's death and uh, taking back what what belongs to us. And Ukrainians will continue to fight. There will not be a sort of... Um, uh, no compromises. Yeah. No compromises. My, the main thing is Ukrainians are not... They're not afraid to die. They are afraid to be a slaves. For around the Kiev uh, Rus, our people were fighting for freedom, fighting for uh, the way of life we choose. And I think that's a very good chance for Ukraine finally to succeed in 100% with this, with this aim. And you don't think there would ever be uh, success with these people's republics or any any push towards accepting Russia or allowing Russia to occupy Ukraine from Ukrainians? I'm pretty sure that it, that will never happen. They either destroy us, either either don't. So they have only one way to to win this war is uh, to destroy Ukraine. What any any matter they can, the chemical weapons, the nuclear weapons, and that's the only way they they can do that because. 
the resistance will not uh, settle down until the victory. As a, uh, a business owner and, and a CEO, um, obviously this has had a massive impact on Ukraine's economy and on Ukrainian businesses. I, I believe in a poll, uh, 42% of small and, and medium-sized enterprises uh, are unable to work at the moment. Um, but have you carried on? Well, um, our company works with the uh, United States and European and maybe some Asian customers. So this will have impacted them so, 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 so strong. And indeed, most of our workers are from Ukraine and uh, 90% of them went to the safe cities in Ukraine and abroad and they can do, they, they now combine uh, their activities like me. So for now I am a volunteer and the head of that organization that helps to, to fight and to resist. And I do my normal CEO activities as well, but not in uh, in IRL, in the real life, but in Slack. But I have to say that we got used to do that because two years ago on March, uh, the pandemic had started and we had to move to the online working. So yeah, now now our people work in the shelters under the, in the attic ground. Uh, in the suburbs, etc., etc., etc. But they do work because they understand that the best way to help army is not only to resist, but to keep economy works. And many, many companies now continue working. For example, restaurants are providing the foods for for people. So yeah, they they the economy, yeah, it was hit it, hit it hard. But many companies start to revive, maybe even revising their businesses. Because in every revolution, every crisis is a way for next step, for revising and reviewing your activity. And I believe that that will be a punch for those companies who struggled most. They either, unfortunately, they will be liquidated or they will find the new way of working. You said that some of your workers have gone abroad. Are you concerned that there could be a major brain drain in Ukraine with a lot of uh, specialized workers leaving the country to work in, in Poland or in Germany um, and neighboring sure countries? They will come back to Ukraine because uh, I know all of them personally and they, they're great patriots and they will come back. And I can tell you that there were many people abroad. They were working in Poland and Germany and Sweden and other countries before the war started. And more than 100,000 people have returned from their plants, factories and other works in Poland to defend Ukraine. So people, people keep returning to Ukraine to fight for their motherland and other people will return after the victory to rebuild this 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 beautiful country. So do you think that Ukraine's economy will recover quite quickly then? Well, it will recover. And uh, I'm pretty sure that Ukraine will join European Union. 
and that will be mutually beneficial both for European Union and Ukraine. And uh, while Russians should uh, learn the meaning of the word reparation, Ukraine will have the incredible help of uh, international investors of uh, foreign countries and all democratic world that will help to make another kind of country. Um, after the World War II, uh, it was implemented the Marshall's Plan. You might heard about it. That helped to make uh, even divided Germany a great economically successful country. And when the war had fallen, even now when I come to Germany, I see the difference between the GDR and the Western Germany. The same thing is here. I, I'm pretty sure that investments will uh, will flow in the Ukraine and it will help to rebuild it. Regarding the time, well, I don't have enough information about that, but I think that um, the one thing I'm sure that it will be as quick as possible because we're really we're grateful. I think every Ukrainian have to be grateful for Putin's. Uh, actions because nobody in Ukraine done so much with Ukrainians rather than Putin. Putin <laughs> yeah, having first arrived to Ukraine a few years ago and seeing a, a, a relatively divided country, I've never seen it more united than I have um, this this year. Would you like to talk a little bit more about your own work and, and your NGO? Well, the only thing I want to tell is that we keep working and uh, if you will be possible to some kind of share the information that we gather uh, donations and help from all over the world, from Germany, Japan, Korea, United States, uh, United Arab Emirates, uh, and, others, and other countries. Uh, now we have a really big, the um, big deal uh, to purchase the stuff for wounded ones in the hospitals and any kind of donations will be a really great help for our activity. All the information we have on our official um, pages on Facebook and Instagram. So if if anyone will be able or wishes to help us, we will really appreciate that. How are the hospitals at the moment? Um, there is enough doctors by now, but you never be it will be never enough i think medicine for the wounded ones because they keeps and keeps coming and uh, they always call me write me down and tell okay we we need some bandages we need some medicine we need that one we need that one and uh, that's why we try to help them and yeah there is a real real deal with that not only hospitals we need food to be done, we need the weapons to be equipped, we need wounded soldiers to be cured. Well, Vladimir, thank you very much for uh, sharing your information and, and speaking to me. It's very insightful. Uh, I wish you good luck with everything. Uh, I think the world is immensely impressed and inspired by Ukrainian resilience and strength. And I think we've all learned quite a lot from Ukrainians uh, over the last month. Thank you very much for the interview. I was, it was really, really pleasant to talk with you. You too. Take care and um, hope to speak to you at some point in the future.
Maybe even yeah, in Kiev. Yeah, wonderful. Let's, <laughs> let's meet for a beer on the Victoria's Day. That sounds brilliant. Can't wait for it. If you want to support Vladimir and his organization, you can check it out on Instagram, bom.ukraine, or on Facebook, Brothers of